How's everybody doing today? So sit back. It's your relax. host, Steven Salinas, and you're listening to Political, Political Brew. Hit the record button, man. Let's get this going. Good afternoon, and this is Political Brews. We have a special guest today. His name is Roger Navais. How's it going, Roger? It's going good, brother. Going good. Thank you for having me, man. Um, uh, you know, it's been a minute, man. Uh, when I first started this show, uh, you were one of the first uh, people I thought of to get on here, and I'm finally glad that we're able to uh, get this uh, thing scheduled and get it going. Yeah, yeah, man. You know, with, with my schedule, it's pretty hectic, you know, training, fighting, and doing everything else in between being a, a dad uh you know and then having kingsville uh be a little a little bit of a drive away i'm, I'm, I'm glad we can finally get together man. hell yeah man I, uh i really appreciate you coming uh we are uh relaxing having a uh a old-fashioned <laughs> absolutely this is delicious this so, is great it's five o'clock somewhere mm-hmm. it's something to uh break the ice and and be chill so uh so going off of that, man, and uh, having you on, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us, you know, where, uh, you know, when you started jujitsu. You know, I know that that's a big thing. You're a black belt. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, so, you know, my story is, is uh, you know, not too uncommon for most. You know, as a, as a kid, I, I was all into the uh, whole Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, Jean-Claude Van Damme era. And uh, got got into Taekwondo at a really young age. Uh, of course, at that time, Jiu-Jitsu was kind of uh, unknown and untapped. Um, but Taekwondo was the big the big thing. So, you know, I did that um, from the age of like six all the way to fourteen. So about eight years, I ended up getting a secondary black belt under Master Clifford McKenzie. Uh, nice. You know, God rest his soul. He, he passed away a couple years back. But uh, I, I took that. Um, and, and was pretty serious about it. You know, I trained for years and, and I competed. I, my, my life as a competitor really started then, um, you know, doing tournaments locally, traveling the state, um, qualified for the Junior Olympics, but, you know, my parents didn't have the money to send me to Florida at the time. So, yeah. you know, we, were, uh, we weren't able to, to do that. Um, but then, you know, I, I, I got into football as well. And uh, when I got into middle school was kind of when I started to fade away from from the martial arts. Yeah, you know, that, girls, that tends to happen. Yeah, well, you know, I was uh, really big into girls. And, uh, you know, they don't really give a crap about, you know, you being a black belt. They, they, they like the jocks. So yeah, I, for sure, for sure. You know, I did what the ladies liked. And, and uh, you know, it, I, I think my, my I want to say my eighth grade year is when I kind of... I, I would, Stop. yeah, but even at that, man, and uh, just the discipline that you carried in uh, Taekwondo probably made you a really good athlete on the field. Yeah, absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, from kicking and stretching and cardio, you know, and movement. Yeah. Um, just that know, balance, right? Yeah, yeah, having that balance. You know, unfortunately, that's the, the, the thing you see these days is, is kids are so, um, you know, isolated in what they do they you don't you don't have the multi-sport athlete anymore it's like oh we do year-round baseball we do year-round football and and, you know even kids in martial arts um you know at my gym where where we we train kiddos we are very big on making sure that they are being active in everything yeah we have kids that during football season they might only come once a week yeah but they stick with it they don't just stop and 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 that's what i tell the the parents the important thing is just just 
keep, keep it going. Keep coming. Yeah. One day a week is better than no days a week. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You know, and that's funny, man, because in my in my uh, work life, I'm a I'm a teacher coach. So this time of year, it's hard for me to get oh, to the gym, man. at least to jujitsu. Uh, even now with with COVID and everything, it's still different. So, you know. You uh you train you coach you teach and you have a school right right, right. Um, and so what are, what are some things that you know you did to help uh, deal with this uh, COVID situation like yeah man it was really rough you know um, we actually I actually had a, a meeting with your coach Leo uh, Cantu Gracie Baja and and, and Aurelio Gallegos King Arnold Garza uh, yeah, Arnold Arnold as well. Um, uh, but we had a meeting over there uh, with a bunch of the, the guys from, from Corpus just to kind of game plan and see. You know, that's the beautiful thing about where jiu-jitsu has gone. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first started, when you first started, yeah. the animosity, the rivalries, oh, like man. just in Corpus alone were, yeah. were crazy. You know, people hated each other that they never even met just because they were, Different it was like schools. we were gangs, yeah. you know? And, and, <laughs> and now it's not like that anymore. And it's really yeah. great to see that we can come together, especially it's, in a time where we realize like everybody's hurting. It's yeah. not just, it's not just, it, I mean, this is something that, yes, affected the nation, affected our community, but... But when you have, when this is your livelihood yes. and you are forced to shut down, yeah, that's hard. Um, it's hard. And so we, we, you know, kind of constructed a game plan and try to figure out how we were going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know personally, we, we social distance as much as we could. We did some online classes yeah. to offer to our students. Um, we did, you know, when we couldn't do anything, we did um, seize memberships. And even for us, fortunately, you know, we were doing good enough with the business to where we could stop the memberships and still offer the online classes mm-hmm. just to show our, our students that we really the support. were making the effort. You yeah, know? of course. And, you know, I think for us that, that paid off because, yes, we lost some students, but, man, it's crazy how many people um, stuck with us. Of course, know? yes. And uh, so thank you to all, you know, the weapons at hand and our vice BJJ students that, that stuck with us throughout and, um, you know, uh, are still there now because without them, I mean... We, we wouldn't have you yeah. know, what we have going on. So Yeah, and I mean, you guys are, are, are doing a lot of things for the community and also uh, in the jiu-jitsu community as well. I see you guys uh, pushing a lot of uh, competitions. Uh, I see you guys, you know, you're traveling the, uh, the United States to, to compete. So tell us a little bit about that mindset. What does it take to, to compete at that high level? Yeah, man. Well, you know, uh, I always attribute my mindset to something that my parents instilled in me at a very early age. Um, You know, my mom wasn't the mom that would get mad at the coach if he grabbed my face mask and started yelling at me or correcting me. My dad, you know, he he wasn't so hard on me, but he let the coaches do their thing. And I had some pretty strict coaches, man. uh, Oh, yeah. At a a real young age, you know. I mean, stuff that nowadays these coaches have probably had the cops call them. Yeah. Like, like realistically speaking. So, okay. So, now, what do you think about that? Like, is it the fact that we are... Because I heard a pretty good little uh, quote. It says, you know how a lot of adults say, oh, the kids these days, they're changing. Right. Now they're saying, it's not that the kids are changing. It's more that the adults are changing. No, the adults are soft. The adults are soft. That's what... You you have to realize when you are a competitor, whether you're a... And I explain this to my kids. Mm -hmm. Whether you're an adult or you're a kid, like, you're competing. And in jiu-jitsu specifically, you're competing against people that are literally trying to hurt you. Yes, it's cute to see your kid dressed up in a gi and all that, but once they decide to step on the mat as a competitor, 
they're going to have somebody that's trying to submit them. Yeah. And that means put them in an arm lock, put them in a chokehold. Yeah. And I don't want any of my kids to get hurt. You of know, course. That's first and foremost for any coach. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so the discipline that I expect out of my kid competitors is not very different than that of the adults. And the understanding that I get from my coaches is, um, I mean, from my parents is, is the most important thing because they allow me to have that reign over their kids where when they need to be corrected, it's time to be corrected. And when I need to push them, that, you know, they're going to get pushed and yeah. sometimes to, to tears. Um, but, you know, I'm really big in believing that pushing yourself to those limits, you discover how much more you actually have inside. And when you see these kids that come in and they're so, you know, um, unconfident and, and um, they're very timid and then all of a sudden they, they grow that confidence. They start walking with their chest out, their head high. They're, you know, talking to, to their teammates and they're not as shy. Um, you know, it, I mean, that's that's what that's why I do what I do, you know, yeah. and, and, and to have that impact. So, you know, for me, luckily, like I said, my parents at an early age had that mindset and, um, you know, weren't very soft and allowed my coaches to do what they they could. So, you know, coming up, I, I, I think I had a advantage throughout because, you know, I didn't get butthurt if my coach got mad at me. If I yeah. didn't start. It wasn't, it wasn't the coach's fault. It was yeah. like, no, you need to work your ass off. And, you need to work harder. You know? And yeah, man, and that that's exactly uh, the same uh, upbringing that my my dad was very old school. I remember, um, you know, going going home from practice and you know telling him how practice was, and uh, he would he would say like if I complained like oh well I didn't get I didn't get in on this play or I didn't get to, it was well. You need to try harder. Right. You need to do this. He's like, right. he's like, I'm not going to go over there. And my dad was a big thing about, like you say, let the coaches coach. Let the, you know, whatever they're going to tell you, yeah. he's going to back because he's not there. Yeah. There's, you know? there's a lot of parents these days that, that don't realize that they're actually um, contributing to their, their kid's failure. Not, yeah. Not initially, not, not maybe not immediately, but down or intentionally. It's like, a, yeah. it's like good intentions can also be the it's a downfall it yes. could be a downfall later on you know when, when you have uh, kiddos that aren't used to failing mm-hmm. um, that's one thing about competitors I had a, a student this uh, he went to Naga this past week and, and he competed and they called him up to the medal stand they gave him a third place medal um, and they gave it to him and his dad's like you know you, you guys called us what for they gave him a medal and he's like well, why does he get a medal? He, he lost. He had one match. He lost his match, but there were only kid, three kids in the division. Yeah. And his dad's like, he didn't earn this, you know? And the kid was right there. And the guy's like, well, I don't have to give it back. And the dad's like, no, like, he's he's going to earn his medal. Like, yeah. it's okay. And that's the mindset that people need to have yes. and understand. It's okay for your kids wow. to fail. Failure is what makes us great. Everybody's failed, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, what is a... Uh, um, there was a Denzel Washington at a at a uh, college. He he was the, the guest speaker there, mm-hmm. and he went up on the mic and said flat out, "You are going to suck at something. Yes. You are going to fail in life. It's how you bounce back and absolutely, you know, tighten your boots and keep moving forward." Right? Yeah, I think I think the the people that are the greats and the people that that seek out greatness 
are the ones that fail and they become obsessed with the fact that they failed in a sense where they they work on those shortcomings. Mm-hmm. They don't quit just because they failed at something. And and you know, it's it's like jujitsu for instance, right? We talk about fighting, we talk about yeah. guys that come in and do what they're good at. Yeah. But the, the the beautiful thing about MMA is you have to be well rounded at everything. So it forces you to acknowledge your weaknesses yeah. and not only acknowledge them but work your ass out. I would to say make them better. Mine know? are wrestlers. Yeah, I mean that's you know, I mean that's not the I mean shit dude my first fight in the UFC against Patrick Cummins I mean I got dominant I had a black belt and I was like he's a white belt like but he was also a national champion all American heavyweight yeah. at Penn State you know so okay so UFC right yes, I know that's that's the uh, that's 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 a big feat man yeah that that is a dude that's like the pinnacle of the MMA scene but. We'll get to that, but like, where did where did the MMA tie in? Like, what 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 were you just asked? Yeah, you know, um, like, where so, did that come? So it's a funny story. Like I said, I've been involved in martial arts my whole my whole life, and then, you know, I I blew up. I mean, I used to be one of those meatheads. Like, all I did was do bench press, and shoulder <laughs> press, and didn't run. You yeah. know, I probably hadn't ran since I, I was in high school. I hate running. I hate I hate it too. I like, trust Ugh. me. But, you know, I got to about 280 pounds, and uh, I was firefighting, and it wasn't easy. Yeah. You know, I mean, firefighting is, is definitely a strenuous job, and, um, you know, I was only 24, and I was like, man, I'm 24, I'm 280 pounds, if I don't do something about this now, like, like I don't want to be that, that guy that's dying of a heart attack, or, or, yeah. or passes out, and I can't help my, 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 you know, fellow brother because he's he's down, you know, and, and I'm out of shape. So, you know, I started doing jujitsu really to get into shape. I hate, like you said, I hated running. Yeah. And for anybody that hasn't done jujitsu, it's a different kind of cardio. Um, yeah. And I, and you know, man, I, I tell buddies that, that they're all, well, I run every day and I yeah. do this. I go, it doesn't matter. I've had people that do marathons, <laughs> triathlons. I've had, um, wrestlers, yeah. like, which is grappling. Yeah. But, Jiu-Jitsu is a different type. It's different, It's a, it's a different it's... type of uh, stress. You need to learn when to control your breathing, when to tense, when to explode, when to relax. Um, and it's hard to relax when somebody's trying yeah. to smash you, right? Yeah. So, and you feel like you're literally literally drowning yeah. on land. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. I, I, like, I, I, I don't know how to explain it to, to buddies, like, because since they've known me, like, I've been doing it, you know? Right. Uh, it's been 14 years off and on uh, and I tell them I'm just like it's something that you have to try like yeah man there's no there's really no way to explain it I think the explanation you just gave is probably the, the best thing I can compare it to is, is saying like yeah you, I mean you feel like you're drowning on land you can't you, you know you can't get your breath because every time you do somebody's you know advancing their position or they're choking you or yeah. you know arm barring you or whatever so um and, and a lot of people have a misconception like uh i have a conversation with some coaches and they'll be like so if you get in a fight you're gonna fucking do an arm bar on somebody i'm yeah. like no if i'm in a fucking street fight i'm gonna fucking take your soul like yes. i'm going to tire my, you out my my, my favorite <laughs> comment is like when people are like 
oh, uh, you get in a fight, like, we well, can do somebody has gun. I'm like, well, bitch, I carry a gun too. Like, <laughs> I carry a knife on me everywhere yeah. I go. I carry 30 rounds on me at, at, at any time, you know, like, so, and then they're like, well, what when people bite and scratch? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bite you harder. I'm going <laughs> to fucking gouge your eyes out. Yeah. And I'm going to headbutt you. And um, See, but they don't understand that you fucking, like, people that like there's a lot of people out there that are all are you could just tell that they're 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 tough in their head right right like they bark a lot and they, and right. they but they're going they're they don't remember that they're some in some senses like they're in their 30s you know maybe 40s and right. they still think that they're that no, 24 right. year old no. and they, well they think they're a 24 year old that got lucky and knocked somebody out that never knew how to fight yeah, the problem these days is more and more people know how to fight. Yeah, and my thing is, and they and they don't even look like they can fight. No, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you look at some of the UFC guys, and, and it's like, man, those dudes look like dorks. But yeah, those dorks will choke your life, you know, ch- choke the life out of you. Yeah. So that's you know, the thing, man. It, it, that's why I love jujitsu, and so you know, that was the thing that got me into it. Was you know, I, I knew. So my coach Hector Munoz, um, you know, he was one of the first guys, one of the pioneers. Along with Leo Cantus and Aurelio, you know, Gallegos and, and Rob Viegas, those yeah. those four guys those were really the, the foundation yeah, guys of Corpus, to bring yeah. um, jiu-jitsu to Corpus. Yeah. And Hector and Robert were kind of the guys to make the MMA yeah. well known. Um, well, me and Hector had went to school together, and I had a guy I used to work at a pawn shop. And the guy was like, "Man, we could use some heavyweights. You know, you need to come in." Blah, blah. And I was always like, "Yeah, okay, I'll go in." And so I did. And the first time, you know, I had. I was athletic. I knew what to do. I knew what the positioning was because I was a big fan of the UFC. Yeah. I knew what a rear naked choke looked like. I yeah. knew how to mount, how to take the back. Like I knew all that stuff, right? Yeah. So I went with a couple guys that were beginners, and I, <laughs> I got, a, I choked a guy, and I, you know that that rush is like there. Like, yeah. I made him tap out. Hell yeah. Well, then I go with Hector, and at the time Hector was fighting at one fifty five. He was probably walking around about one seventy five, and I was a good two eighty. You know, so I had like a hundred pounds on the guy. Uh-huh. And uh, we're rolling, and dude, he submitted me. I want to say we went a five minute round. He submitted me at least four or five times. Yeah. And then at the end, the only reason he didn't submit me more is because uh, my shoulder popped out. He was, we were transitioning, oh. and my shoulder dislocated. Damn. Well, I was so addicted. Like, it was funny because I, I told Hector, and he grabbed my arm, and I, I told him, just pull it because it had happened before. Uh-huh. And uh, so it pops in. I stayed for the rest of the class and watched. Yeah. I was so addicted, I, I went back the next day. Nice. And I didn't roll. Yeah. But I did whatever drills I could did I could do. So yeah. I was shrimping with one hand. Yeah. You know, I was doing whatever whatever warm up drills, whatever technique I could do. And then I remember sitting out and just watching the technique and watching the rolls. Mm-hmm. And I was hooked from that point on. From there. You know, I got my black belt in a, a short amount of time. Um but it was because of the hours I put on the mat. You know, being yeah. a firefighter, I was literally not having a family. I, I literally would wake up, and there would be days where just me, me and Hector, and I'd be getting my ass kicked for two, three hours during the day. I was basically his dummy. Yeah. And I was learning. But you were learning. Yeah. And yeah. so I would go, I would do that, and then I'd go home and get on YouTube, yeah. and I would just study, like, for two or three hours. And then at night, I would go and I'd practice for another two or three hours. And I did that for like five years, you yeah. know? And um, even now, I mean, I, I, I've learned to, you know, um, balance things out better. Mm-hmm. But I'm still just as dedicated as I've ever been. Um, and, you know, so 
so getting back to you know training i started training and then being a competitor as a kid i was like you know there's nothing i can do now what can i compete at yeah well, and that's jiu-jitsu you most know? of the time that's that's that scratches the itch to, of competition absolutely man you know and um and that's kind of more or less where like well i when i started uh jiu-jitsu again but i was that i was man i was a big dude yeah. uh, and i'm still you know a big guy but uh my brother told me my brother was like hey come to the gym uh at that time it was uh frank montevice and uh here in town i didn't know uh one of our buddies he's a black belt now his name is Derek. he was just this little 140 pound guy and they're like you're gonna roll with him and i was like are you serious? I'm going to hurt this guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> dude, so you thought, right? Dude, he put it on me. Yeah. Man, so, but so, okay. So you, you, so your first fight, you, my first fight, I was an amateur. Um, I actually, the only, I started competing in jujitsu. I started winning some tournaments at blue belt. I jumped into the advanced, um, I actually got thrown into the advanced division. I remember I was, I got my blue belt in 11 months. Um, I started competing at 13 months. Yeah, and I won my first two tournaments, and then by my third tournament, I said, "You know what? I'm gonna jump in the absolute." So yeah. I started doing the absolutes, and then I did the battle at H Town, which was real big back then. Yeah, and dude, and that's the funny part is that, like, like I I tell people, man, the beauty about jujitsu is you could roll with a world champion. Oh yeah, you know, and you could you can uh, like there's. You'll never go play basketball with LeBron. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, but absolutely. you'll fucking you'll go and, roll with a world champion. And that was the case. You know, you know what I'm Bruno Bastos at that time was was uh, he's gotten a little bigger, but he was still you know in pretty good shape to where he's throwing flying arm bars and stuff. And and I fought him as a blue belt in the second round of a absolute uh, match for fight to win when they first started. And um, absolutely just I mean crushed me. But it was awesome to yeah. go against a guy at that level. You yeah. know. And so you know I, I uh, had. As our team progressed and we started to get more people, we had guys fighting. Um, so I was cornering my buddy Santos Rosales at his first fight, and I was checking out the, the local heavyweights because I was still good. I had lost about 30 pounds. I was about 254, uh-huh. and I was checking them out. And I was like, man, you know what? Like, at that time, I was training with Santos. I was punching. I didn't know any striking, but I was, you know, we were learning a little bit. Yeah. And um, I saw these heavyweights, and I was like, man, I could... I could beat those guys, you yeah. know. I, I could do this. You start, and, yeah, you start you know, sizing you, them up. You start realizing, <laughs> yeah. and that's the thing is, like, we we build up these uh, um, these barriers in our own head. Yeah, you know, it's like, oh man, these guys that fight, they're so much better than me. And it's funny how when you start progressing, you have to break down those barriers, and that's exactly yeah. what I did. You know, I fought as amateur. My first fight, I finished in the first round. Um, second fight, third fight, same way. Fourth fight, same way. Um, as an amateur and, and then by that time I couldn't find any more fights um, there and, and there yeah it was getting thin you know so and I was at 205 my last fight I knew I wanted to go pro and so my first fight for STFC at Bike Fest um, you know under a tent no music um, warming up next to my partner or the guy I was fighting outside um, you know a bunch that of that has bikers. to be intense right it, it was, well you know for him it was because yeah. I was confident as hell oh, yeah, and I course. could see the fear in his eyes like, yeah. and I was a big dude yeah, I, was, you're, I, had a, I had a name behind me you're a pretty big guy I'm not yeah. <laughs> so, so you know um, he he get in there and you know it was this is this is a fair warning to everybody you know that that wants to fight like take this shit serious yeah you know this guy had um unfortunately like you know i've never been one to pick my opponents even in the ufc like once you get to that level 
you have managers and shit, but when it comes down to it, you're going to fight who they want you to fight and you yeah. don't have an option. Yeah. So, you know, STFC got me this fight against another debuter. I didn't have any amateur experience and supposedly was training like in his garage for like a year. And man, I, I felt bad. I, I, I mean, the kid, I broke his orbit. I fractured his nose. Um, I gave him like 30 stitches with elbows and punches. And, you know, that goes to show it kills me when I see coaches that have experience that just want their guys to get in there and and, and just keep fighting and, and fight with yeah. with no experience. What do you, you think know? about you that? What do you think about that guy? I think Robert Dry, Robert Drysdale was his corner man. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he was like, no, nah, I'm done. I'm done. He goes, you know, what do you think about that? Because I understand the mindset. Like, no, you're not. You gotta, you yeah, gotta push through. That was tough. I I ha still haven't watched that fight, so I don't, I don't, I didn't see the beating that the guy was getting. So yeah. I don't, I can't judge it from that standpoint. Yeah. I know Robert Drysdale is one of the most, um, you know, one of the best grapplers out there. He's yes. an MMA fighter himself yeah. and a coach. Yes. So being an MMA fighter and a coach, you know what your guys have yeah the only thing that i would say is that you know and it's it's that fight it was on a contender show it was literally to get that contract everything yeah. this guy so this this coach has seen how much this guy has sacrificed yeah and sometimes those voices in our head those demons they start to come out in dark you know in in the hard hard yeah. shits that we're going through yeah and i really feel like a great coach will make you realize what your potential is and and that's why i always give my coach so much uh you know he, he's no longer my coach but um you know he he belted me and, and he'll you know i always give him that credit we don't train together is what i'm saying yeah um you know he's he's always going to be my coach but uh you know he um would always make me feel like no matter how good the guy i was fighting was mm -hmm. he hadn't beat me yet yeah you know and that's why he would always tell me and so that's what a coach's job is. Yeah. So in that moment, when you have one minute to talk your fighter into fighting, you know, I mean, it's it's a thin line. Fight game is dangerous. And if your fighter is telling you, I quit, and he just doesn't want to go out, you know, I I would personally, for me, if if I would try to talk him in, I would do exactly what Drysdale did. Yeah. I would talk him all the way up until the point where the, the, the bell rings and he still doesn't want to go in, I'm not going to send him back out. Yeah. I can't. I mean, now... Would that change your Would that change your mind later? Like, would you still back him, or does that change his like maybe? I, I think at that point you realize you know what that I mean. You're you're, you're done. Like you're at done. At that point, yeah. I think as a fighter, like you don't have that. You don't have it. You have when to, you're willing to. You know, fighting is scary, man. It, yeah. it really is. People don't realize it. Yeah, because like, watch mean, these guys. You're you're that, literally chancing dying. Yeah, right? yeah. And there's fighters that have died in the ring. Um, in boxing, I think what who was it? Uh, Cyborg, uh, that the his forehead. Oh was, yeah, he got his right? forehead crushed. God, in, you know, um, like so. So you got a couple fights under your belt. You're, you're feeling good. You're feeling, you know, you're. you're are you still competing in jujitsu tournaments? Um, um actually, or are you man, just focusing more on MMA? I wish I would have still competed in yeah? jujitsu. I wish I would have stuck with it. But I started focusing more on my striking because that was my weak point. Mm -hmm. Um. And then I just, you know, I I don't know why I didn't. I just didn't. I didn't compete at black belt. And, uh, you know, I look at guys like, uh, you see, you know, Carlos Diego, mm -hmm. Fajera, and um, guys like that that are still fighting and competing. And I think 
that that that's something to be said for. Yeah. You know, I've got one of our fighters. You know, Eddie. I feel Torres. like it's a whole different mentality, man. It, like, it it is, and you have to keep that hunger. You have to yeah. keep that. You don't want to take yourself out of that competition mode. Yeah. For an extended. I could tell time, you, like you know, when I when I when I was travel when I would go to jujitsu versus going to lift weights, like oh, I think the mindset is totally different, different, right? Like you're like, okay. We're, we're, we're going to train today. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, like, you know, and, and that's the thing is as I try to carry that mindset throughout my training. You know, it's funny. My buddy was like, uh, I was training with some guys one time. and It was like me and two other dudes and we were there. And, and he was joking about it because he said, uh, yeah, we were training. And I heard Roger start yelling like, fuck you, bitch. Fuck you. Like, quit being a pussy. And he's like, I looked around. And it was just like me and him. And like. I was like, who the fuck's he talking to? <laughs> and it's it's like that's that's my mindset and I think that's what separates me from a lot of people is I you know, I look to take myself to that dark place. I look to I have the discipline within me and I have the drive within me to to take myself to the darkest place that I can because I realize that in a fight that's exactly what's gonna happen. You're going to encounter somebody at some point. Because there's always somebody bigger, stronger, faster, better. You're gonna encounter a point, a, a point where you have an option to quit. Yeah. And if you are quitting during a weight workout, if you're quitting during a cardio workout, if you're quitting during a roll session, then what's gonna happen when you have that that opposition really trying to hurt you? Yeah. You know. So so I, I every workout I do, I try to find that that dark place, and and you know of course there's workouts that are throttled back a little bit, but. When, when it's time to go, when we have our cardio days, when we have our hard jiu-jitsu sessions, like, I have that mindset where it's like, keep going. Keep yeah. fucking going. Now, have you had a... I mean, because you own a gym. You, you're you a coach or a teacher. Uh, have you had anybody that maybe trolled you online that showed up to your gym that you have to kind of set up in a spot? Like, no, like man, Nothing I, like that? Like, no, I've or, had a couple guys. Or We've, people come in and... Oh, Cause, yeah. cause they say like the douchebags never last, right? Oh, never. Like, man. like, or the egos at the door. You have to. You get what I'm saying? Yourself. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, we. Fortunately, um, like I said, I'm a pretty big guy, um, and and you know I'm six three, two hundred thirty pounds. So, so for me, it's like I, I'm very humble, I'm very respectful, but somebody that comes into our gym and is looking for trouble, I, you know, they, I think they have to be crazy, um, <laughs> just because. Yeah, I'm six three two thirty. I'm not small. Yeah, you know, and you um, know, and you're and you're actually and I know, uh, you know, you know how to move. Yeah, I know yeah. what I'm doing. And it's so, coordinated. Fortunately, we haven't had any issues like that. I have had guys come in and roll and try to train too hard, like with some of the other students. And yeah. So I have those students. That, yeah. You know, they're those they're are my the, guard dogs. They're, the they're the ones that I'm like, hey, <laughs> go uh, don't don't take it easy over there. Just yeah. go do what you do. Yeah. And you know, and, and I tell my guys all the time. Yeah. And, with, especially with new students, I say, look, roll as hard as you want somebody to roll with you. Train yeah. as hard as you want. Because if you're going to go 100 miles an hour, yeah. you're going to be trying to neck crank people and like just squeeze Being an asshole. If you're going to be an asshole, then you're going like, to get it back. You're you barely, know? like, there's times where we'll have guys show up, new, brand new people, like, you know, and... and they're and, trying to win worlds. Dude, dude, yeah. <laughs> and, they're, and, and they're heel hooking. Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm like, and I'll... Uh, and, and I tell the guys all the time, uh-uh. like, because we do heel hooks. We're really big on leg locks at our yeah. gym. I think that's one thing that kind of separates us from a lot of 
uh, gyms locally is, um, you know, we have one of our coaches, uh, Patrick Ibarra. He actually took a pretty devastating loss. Um, uh-huh. and, and, you know, I tell people all the time, you, you always grow, yeah. right? You never lose. You always learn. And yeah. I give it to Pat, man. That kid, um, you know, he's probably the best leg locker that I've rolled with um, in recent time. And, and, yeah. and that was because he literally just dove into the leg lock game and started studying. And, Dude, and it's it's, uh, it's totally it's different, man. Danaher, I don't know if you heard that that podcast with Joe Rogan. Mm-hmm. Man, dude, that, that podcast, like, I played it, like, at least three times. I was just, like, listening to what he's saying because they're, like, watching video, right? And then he's critiquing oh, as it. And you're just yeah. hearing, he's like, well, and he's real calm. He's like, well, right here, I'm just going right. to grab it, the, 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 the... But that's jujitsu. The calf. And you, know, that's, that's you know what I'm saying? That, that's the thing is people don't realize, like, you're not just rolling around. Like, you're being technical. When you get to a certain level... You start breaking things down in your head like that, and he's very eloquent and very educated in the way he he talks about the moves. But that's jujitsu as a whole. It's it's you know there's always an understanding when you there's time like I, like I tell my guys there's you can do a move, but if you can't explain how to do a move, mm-hmm. then do you yeah. you know th- that's a big difference. Yeah. And that's the know? and that's the one thing, man. That that always. Uh, I was very uh, blessed to to know Leo right. and, and very technical coaches, man. Dude, Leo and Arnold. Leo both, and both Arnold are like brothers, man. I've known them shit for 14, 15 years, uh, and but just knowing them, like I was able to learn from 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 a good right. source. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, it's it's nowadays. Man, like all those people that, that that buy the black belts, they just pretend. Man, uh, they, they're YouTube black belts, yeah, you know. But see, the thing that that's that kept, not kept me with Leo and Arnold because that's it's just loyal, and 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 you know you just I'll never go anywhere else and right. pay to go anywhere else, right? right. Or I'll ne- like the big thing was like, oh, you're gonna get your black belt, you're gonna start school now. Like that was the yeah. thing, and I was like, nope, never. Well, that's not my plan. That's not my goal. Yeah. Uh, but Leo and Arnold, they, they, they'll tell us flat out, we don't ever teach you a move that we don't do in a tournament or in a, in comp- a real life situation. Yes, in a competition. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. that's big, man. I tell people that all the time, man. I'm like, you know what? There's, it's funny because you know, I can show you a flying arm or, or I can show yeah. you how to do a regular arm. And I remember different back in the day, uh, Hector was known for his flying triangle. Oh, yeah. Flying you know what I'm saying? And he had it tattooed on him. Yeah. You yeah, know what exactly, I'm saying? So, exactly. And that was the thing. Like, you'd watch his uh, the, his fight at the end of every tournament we'd go to. It was him versus somebody. Yeah. And he would see the flying triangle. Yep. You know? And, and the thing with Heck was, I mean, he's just an athletic freak. Yeah. Like, I've literally never met anybody that is as strong and explosive and just naturally gifted as as him um and you know i even think at one of the the play uh it was like a fight uh fight to win or it was something in robstown that arena mm-hmm. he did like a rape choke on somebody oh yeah and just it was quick oh man the rape choke used to Dude. be he would <laughs> that was like his favorite go-to and that was... it was like you knew it was coming and you couldn't defend it yeah it's like it's yeah. just crazy but but yeah, you know, being being, I'm very big on being technical and teaching things that are actually applicable because yeah. I feel that there's a lot of jujitsu schools that 
dive into the sport too much. Yeah. Um, when you look at what jiu-jitsu is meant for, it's self-defense. It's yes. not to go win medals. It's to learn how to protect yourself from so do you, the attack. Uh, yes. And I'm sorry about that. No, no, it's no. just... Uh, so, like, sport jiu-jitsu and, like, the... the the area, like the route that jiu-jitsu is going now, what, what do you think the benefits are for the... Because it's going more sport, right? right. And it's going more uh, the leg game. It's all that, the, the 10th planet right. Uh, mindset, right? The, the, and they just got... Now, this is going to be a big thing for you guys, right? Because I think that you uh, you say y'all push the leg locks a lot more and heel hooks and all that. So, IBJJF yes. just instilled. Yes. I'm, I'm super excited about that. I'm super excited because, um, Is that you know, like, like people say, uh, like Danaher has said himself, it's, uh, you know, the legs are 50% of the body. Exactly. Why would you not? And, and back then, it was so frowned upon, like, to do a total. Yeah, they say it was do, like... Uh, do an ankle lock. Like, it's dirty. Yeah, I'm like, or a wrist no. lock and stuff like, like that. Like, how can you call this sport self-defense? Self-defense means I'm doing anything by any means necessary to render my opponent, um, def- you know, defenseless. Yeah. And, and leg locks... We'll definitely do that. I can break your arm, and you can get up and punch me with the other arm. Yeah. I tear your ACL, you're going to be limping around. You're not going to be able to stand. So, you know. You've been doing jiu-jitsu for? Uh, 14 years. Okay, so 14 years, same as me. Now, in my 14 years, dude, I've, I tore my bicep. Mm-hmm. I fucked up my knee. Oh, yeah. Uh, my tricep. Uh, pretty much all my fingers are, are yeah. messed up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I... And, so have you had any big big injuries that you had to come back from? Yeah, man, definitely. Um, you know, I've torn my meniscus. I've had surgery on that. Um, multiple dislocations. I've dislocated both kneecaps, uh, just the patella. Um, I've dislocated both shoulders. I've dislocated fingers. I've broken my forearm in actually my last UFC fight. I and I was going to touch on that. I yeah. was going to touch on that because you still finished the fight. Right? Yeah, and that goes back to the mindset. You know, um, at that point, I could have broke. Um, you know, I got kicked. I felt it snap, and it I, it cracked actually the first time. I could feel it. And then he threw another kick, and I, I still, it's habit. You know, you put your hands up to gauge your defense. Yeah. So even though I felt it, like I still threw my hands up, and he, he didn't hit the forearm. Uh, flush he hit like my hand and it folded back and it snapped it. I could feel it so I could have I could have looked for the way out there mm-hmm. and I knew it was broken yeah um, and I retreated I backed up and I, I, I tried to stay in the fight um, I didn't tap out you know he ended up seeing that something was wrong pushed the pace got me against the cage I tried to defend a takedown with an underhook with a broken arm mm-hmm. and it I the pain just collapsed oh. me so I fell down he mounted, or he didn't mount me, he, he pinned me against the cage, and I was still trying to fight, trap an arm, and, and come up, but, I, you know, with he was a big guy, yeah. we were both actually walking around about 210 after weigh-ins, mm-hmm. and, um, man, he just he just did what he needed to do to finish, and I got up immediately after, yeah. and, you know, the ref was like, I'm sorry, man, I had to, I had to, I said, no, I like, my arm broke, I yeah. mean, I could but I wasn't going to quit. Of course not. You know, I wasn't going to quit. Now, getting that call. To, to, for the big show. Yeah. Dude, so were you expecting it? Or, no, man. Or it, it's it crazy. Something? I had been kind of um, talking to a management company and talking about they wanted to get me in and they were kind of courting me in a sense. And they called me one day and they're, I was at work with the fire department and they called me while I was on shift and they were like, hey, man, we got this opportunity. If you sign with us right now, for we'll do a 48-hour contract. If, you, if they 
okay you and they give you a contract, then we will go ahead and uh, sign you for two years. Um, you'll be with us. And I, I said, shit, okay, well, this is a lot to think about. I said, but it's my op opportunity for the UFC. So, yeah. you know, that, yeah, let's do it. So next thing I know, I get a call from Joe Silva. And, and at the time, he was the main matchmaker. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, hey, are you ready to fight? And I was, luckily, I was already preparing for a fight, but it was at 185 against Bubba Bush uh -huh. um, for the LFC uh, title. And um, he was like, you ready? I said, yes, sir, I'm ready. Let's, you know, let's do this. And, and we did. Um, and... I'll tell you what, though, people talk about fighting at, at elevation, and I never experienced elevation before. We live at sea level here yeah. in Corpus. Yeah. Well, the fight was in Albuquerque, you know, about 8,000 yeah. feet yeah, elevation. You have to go at least two weeks Oh, my before, God, right? dude. I went, I went, I thought a week was enough time. Yeah. Hell no, dude. Like, I, you can see my eyes after the first round of that fight, and I'm just gasping, like, trying to get any amount of air and oxygen I can, and it's just, it was, it was hell, and yeah. my muscles, after that, after that first round, my muscles completely weren't working, you're not getting enough blood flow yeah. to your muscles, so, you're not or oxygen to your muscles, yeah. so, you're not acclimated, it's, yeah. it's definitely, it was, it was different, so, yeah. um, you know, but, but getting the call, you know, it was exciting, being the first guy from Corpus, you know, everybody's always like, well, Anthony Smith, I'm like, yeah, Anthony Smith's from Corpus, he was born and raised in Corpus, or he was born in Corpus, he moved when he was four to Oklahoma, and never been back since, Yeah. so, so like, not... I had some guy tell me that one time, and I was like, bro, like, I'm born and raised, I went to Carroll High School, yeah. like, I went to Baker Middle School, I went to Windsor Park, like, I know all this, like, I grew up, you know, uh, in Crestmont, like, bro, I'm born, raised, and yeah, yes. from Corpus Christi, Texas, yes. you know, and so... You know, that was a huge accomplishment for me, not yeah. only for me, but just for my team and my coach, you know, him. That's a big, him, big stage. He had man. always tried to get to that level, always yeah. tried to, and, and, you know, he had a couple fights where it didn't go his way, and, you know, it, it made me proud that, like, he could still, you know, at that time he was already cornering Cowboy and helping out with him and all that stuff, yeah. but it made me proud that, like, his first black belt his his first student to make it to that level yeah. you know yeah and so i got a lot of support from corpus hell yeah man. i still do man i mean I it, remember, it's been amazing i man. remember uh that fight i remember dude you're you were you're winning that fight i yeah. you know in my eyes you were winning that fight and then that your arm yeah uh that happened and but you did have another fight right? yeah well so my first fight was actually against patrick cummins i got i got tko'd in that one and that was the fight. Now I'm walking at 2.30. Like, yeah. I'm comfortable. Back then, I used to walk at 2.10. And Cummins was probably like 2.35. So, now, um, so that's when I realized the divisions were yeah. like yeah. necessary. There's, there's a reason <laughs> there's that there's reason. divisions. So nowadays, so, like, uh, do you, so do you think that uh, UFC or MMA, because there's an organization that actually makes you fight at your weight where you yeah. walk around. I think that's the best thing. That's to the do, best man. thing. Yeah, I think that's the best thing to do. But in order to do that, you need more divisions, and that's where yeah. the issue is. Because you take a guy like me, I'm kind of like that in between. Like I walk around 230 comfortably. I can cut to 205. Um, back then, I was 210. Yeah. 185 at 210, that's I was hard. already lean. I was already like nine percent body fat. So getting but down dude, to 230, you don't even look like. Yeah, I feel good. You know, I, look, I put on strong I put man. some muscle. And that, once I stopped fighting, I was like, there's no need to worried to cut so, so low cut so low uh, I started putting on some, some weight putting on some muscle and so I you have a, a lifting program that you do yeah man I actually um, work out at Hybrid Fitness Academy with my buddy Santos Rosales um, shout out Santos um, I've been you know he's one of my friends we played Little League football together and uh, we actually trained together and then he opened up a gym and, and I kind of uh, 
Uh, I, I've been fortunate to train under many great guys. You know, Jeff Pelusio at um, Sports Fitness Solutions in Flower Bluff, and and he was really the one that like changed my mindset about training. He was the one coach that I would literally there would be times where I'd walk in and he'd be like, "You don't look good," and I'm like, oh, "I'm just tired." And he's like, "You're not training today." Yeah. And I was like, "What do you mean? Like, I need to train today?" And he's like, "No, you need to rest." Yeah. And he really, and in doing that, it, it really, I understood how, you know, the candle that burns twice as hot burns twice as fast, yeah. right? So it's like, you have to oh. really moderate. Never heard of that one, the, yeah. the twice as fast part. It's yeah, like, definitely, man. I mean, pretty, when, when, you're, when you're constantly pushing, and then the other one is like, you know, you can only go to the well so many times. So when yeah. you're constantly grinding, constantly pushing, constantly pushing, like you're going to break. So to all the young fighters out there, aspiring MMA guys, I, and I've got students. They're 20 years old. And I got this one kid, and the kid's like, wants to roll every day, roll hard every yeah. day. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. You're 20. Yeah. When you're 36, you're not going to be able to do that shit nope. anymore. And you're going to be broken if you yeah. keep it up. So, Dude, you know, you got to be smart about your training. That's where it's at, man. Is now, like, when I go train, I'm not, it's, I'm trying to just work on, on just flowing. Yeah, I'm not trying to absolutely. go 100%. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still have my days where yeah. I kill myself, but it's of like course. twice a week. You, I don't, you I just don't can't train. do it every day. Not absolutely. And then on the days where, you know, I'm, I'm going to roll light, like I, I, I roll with my lighter belts. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm going to roll with my, 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 not lighter belts, my uh, lower belts. Um, that way they can still get some experience rolling yeah. with, you know, me and, and I can kind of feel them out and see how their progress is. But also to where I can keep the pace. If I want to step it up, I step it yeah. up. If not, you know, when I roll with my killers, you know, or, or like my brother, my brother's 300, and, you know, five pounds and, and dude moves like he's a uh, 150 pounds. And just pound, putting that weight you know? on you, man. Absolutely. You, you feel like you've been wrecked. Like yeah. you feel like you've been in a car accident. Hell yeah. yeah. And so. Um, and that's what, what some people don't understand, man. And it's funny because uh, I, I like, I tell the, the guys at school that, like at work, like oh man, I rolled with one with one of our uh, with one of our guys. He's a uh, you know he's sixteen, but he's like six four. Yeah, and you know what I'm saying. He's a judo kid, and yeah. he's like in a higher level, you right? Know? So it's like dude, he freaking puts it on you, man. And they don't understand. I'm like, dude, go roll with him. Yeah, they don't. People don't get it. People tell me all the time. Like, <laughs> the guy tees my guys that were, oh, you roll around with men for a hobby. And yeah, rest. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, come roll around so I can choke yeah. ass out. Yeah. But, you know, they don't have the balls to do it. They, no. they just want to tease. And that's fine because, yeah. like I tell people, you know, I'm not just training people to um, do sport. I'm training people to know, to be hard to kill. You know, yeah. Tim Kennedy says it best. He's like, be hard to kill in every aspect, whether it's learning how to, you, you know, use weapons, whether it's guns, whether it's self-defense, you know. And, and unfortunately, I think that's the problem with our society today and all the social injustice that we have going on is that you got officers out there that, literally don't know how to fucking defend themselves okay so you know and you know the world's going the world is a crazy part right now let's say it's a crazy you know the elections everything's going crazy i know that uh you know we had we have different uh views of certain things yeah absolutely and uh so that was one of the biggest things as as to also like bring you on here is to, to also get that perspective right because most of the time and this is also something that deals and we talked about this off uh off uh the uh, program was, you know, people read comments, people read things at with the with the way that they feel at that moment. So if you're having right. a bad day, Absolutely. you're gonna read some something that somebody's writing you, 
and it could come off as being, you know. Yeah, well, and, and I think the big thing is always keeping an open mind. See, like like you said, me and you obviously have different political opinions, but there will never be a time that anytime you make a post, I automatically just shut off. Yeah. No. I'm always going to read it, yeah. and I might disagree with yeah. 8 out of 10, but there might be those couple that I'm like, dude, he's making sense right yeah. there. The problem is, it's like, pick a side right now. It's like, yeah, either this yeah. or either that. And I'm like, no. And it's the same thing, the whole Black Lives Matter thing. The whole, yeah. It's like, every time somebody gets shot, it's like, instantly, oh, it's the cop's fault. Or, it's not the cop's fault, it was yeah. this person. I'm like, how about we just hold our fucking horses, look at the evidence, and then make our decision instead yeah. of, you know, because bottom line is, man, I've run into a lot of cops, and I, I, I've had some issue, and I understand I'm not black, but I am a minority in a sense. Maybe not in corpus, but I've, I've come across some some cops that, um, you know, weren't, weren't the nicest, and, and I was just always taught about respect. Yeah. And I think a lot of times when you see these things, like people act like cops are just coming up to cars, pulling out their guns, and fucking shooting them. And, no. and that's the issue is, now, I think it, things get escalated because cops don't understand how to de-escalate in the first place. Yes. And that's where we need re re reformation. So, so do you think that, and I was telling one of my buddies, because he's a cop, and I was like, man, and he does jujitsu, so yeah. he understands. But I told him, I was like, dude, every cop should, they should at least be a purple belt, if not, you know, or I think blue even belt. Blue belt is right? fine, like, man. I've got, just learn. I, I've literally have been on scene where I've seen cops and we've had people that you know I'm, I'm also a firefighter with the city so it's like so you've I, seen I, some stuff. i've seen some stuff and i've seen where like cops literally can't fucking control somebody two or three of them they're pulling in different angles and they're working against each other and i'm literally like just move like let me and i will i've had to receive or my my captain's been like roger go help him yeah and it's like because these dudes so and then they don't you know go, how to apply the pressure yeah. you know and that's all it is it's like knowing where to apply pressure do you need to fucking kneel on a guy's neck for nine minutes? No, you don't. Whether the guy was high or not, like, look what happened. The guy probably would have fucking overdosed anyway, right? Yeah. But the fact of the matter is now you're in a shitstorm because your dumbass kneeled on his neck for nine minutes instead of placing your knee on his lower back and pinning him down with your yeah. shoulders. Yes. You know? Plus, he was already handcuffed. It's like, what's... You know, so that's where so, we start getting into yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, the, he, wasn't a, he wasn't a threat at yeah, that no, point, right? No, not at all. So. But see, that's the thing is that... You know, unless you've actually had somebody put hands on you on yeah. a regular basis, yeah. which is what we do in jujitsu, we're constantly having people grabbing us, attacking us. So we're used to it. Yeah. If a guy on the street comes up to me and grabs me from behind, I'm not going to fucking shit my pants. Yeah. I'm going to beat his ass, right? Yeah. Because I know what I'm doing. Yes. Unfortunately, with cops, they go to the range all the time, yeah. right? They go and they shoot and they practice shooting. But how many times do they practice self-defense? Yeah. And it's crazy because you, I've offered self-defense yeah. to numerous... To police? For numerous times. Yeah. All law enforcement and come they, for three months for free. And they don't... They will not take it. Why? They just won't. You know, I think they, they rely too much on the fact that, oh, we can't use chokeholds. No, but it's not about choking somebody. It's about being able to control somebody. Now, do you, you know? think... Uh, do you think a lot of it maybe be like, well, I go to, I go learn jiu-jitsu and they see that I'm not really that good or you manhandle I think it's a, a lot of kind of you know what I'm saying I like, think it's like an ego. they think that their job is on the line or something like I that I think honestly man I think these days and this is where I think you we think need they should do jiu-jitsu in, in their uniform absolutely right absolutely I mean um you know I, I think my big my big push is that there does need to be some reformation with with the police departments in the sense where we we need more de-escalation de and we need more self-defense 
um, so uh, education with them. My know? take on the the whole defunding, right? The whole defunding the police. My take on it, and it's hard to write everything down, right? right. Is I don't think that they're really pushing. At least I don't think that they're really trying to push to defund to where there's no police. I think they're trying to add more programs. You know, maybe they'll add a jujitsu program. Yeah. Or maybe they'll show like more. Uh, what is the social workers? Right. I or think, the mental system, right? I think the, I mean, if you, you're, you're a, yeah, you've seen, you see so it. a lot of things in corpus might be mental health issues. Oh, absolutely. And, but, yeah. but you know, that's where people are so quick to judge because I've been on scene with people that are acting crazy. I've been on scene with people that's blood sugars low and they don't, you know, you they're in some sugar and then they're, they're all sudden with it, but they were fighting you before, you yeah. know? And it's like, you, people don't give the, the cops crazy. enough understanding to where it's like, hey, when this person, when you show up mm-hmm. and they have a bat in their hand and they're trying to knock your head off, like, yeah. yes, they may be acting crazy and you can try all the de-escalation tactics that you want, but it does come to a point where it's your life or theirs. Yeah. And either you're going to be the guy that got killed by a crazy person or you're going to be the guy that you know is in trouble now by the media and everybody else because you took action. And so, I think a lot of that, man, is just... Uh, like I said, we saw that that show, Social Dilemma. Yeah. And as soon as we saw it, like, well, my fiance Laura saw it, and she was like, "I think you need to watch it." Yeah. Because it's really good. And I was like, I mean, you know, you're busy at, at work. You're, you you do your stuff. You know, right now it's football season for us, so we're really busy. We're trying to get that W, man. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's it's been a uh, long weeks, man. So, uh, she told me because I'll get home and. I sit down and and I open my phone and I start looking right and and you're not even trying to to like you're not trying to look at your phone it's just kind of a habit at yeah, some point right is. so we saw it and man it, it opened my eyes to a lot of things it's like what my feed might be filled with it could be totally different as what your feed oh you know yeah, all the time and they, and they they condition it and they even say right now uh, from 2010 to now. Uh, society in America, like it's been so polarized, yeah, and so divided because of the feed and and yeah, everything it, that it, you're getting. It's crazy because they're gonna feed your own ego. Like, you know, it's funny because the guys at work will be like talking about going on vacation or going to this store, and then all of a sudden your Instagram, it's like ads start popping up <laughs> to that kind of stuff, yeah. right? So I mean, it's obvious that they are programming, they are listening, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it, Big Brother's a real thing. Like, for yeah. all you conspiracy conspiracy it's funny conspiracy theorists are theories are only conspiracies until they start to come true right yeah the biggest thing for me is fuck dude the one of the biggest ones was aliens and now are we're we're here's the funny thing we're in such a fucked up place (laughs) with our society right now that we've literally ignored the fact that the united states government has acknowledged the fact that there's extraterrestrial life that they're real they're real yeah and we're like Fuck Biden. Yeah. Fuck Trump. Like, oh, that's that, all that would you, would you Black Lives Matter. Yeah, like, all lives matter. Would you I'm hear like, that on oh CNN? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so it's it's one it's of like, those oh, things. God. But that's where you just have to have an open mind and you have to be willing to 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 embrace everything. And, yeah. and you know, I mean, from martial arts to education to, you know, political stances, um, you know, the the only time you stop developing growing as a person as an individual is when you completely shut off I tell the kids at at school I say uh, you know the moment that you start believing your own hype mm -hmm. is that that's when you're gonna start fucking up well and I'm glad you see that because the problem is these days that there's there's teachers out there there's professors out there that push their opinions you know education 
in my opinion, shouldn't be a place for politics. It should be a place for truth. It should be a place not to push an agenda. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, in college, you see that you got twenty-year-old kids that think they know everything about everything, and I'm like, you yeah. haven't fucking you you don't even pay your rent right now. Like yeah. you're on scholarship, you, or you're nothing. you're on a loan right now. Like you know shit about life. You know, I'm 37 yeah. years old, and I didn't feel like I became a man until I was like in my 30s. Yeah. You know, truthfully, like I, I still had a kid, and I was like still goofing Dude. off. And even now, I act stupid every once in a while. Right. But yeah. you know, the thing of it is now, I, I, I look at life in a different perspective, yes. a different lens. Yeah. And um, you know, I attribute that to just keeping an open mind, not being the guy that's you know instantly one side or the other, being the guy that. So Doesn't do you, mind waiting. Do you, uh, you, you you say you have a, a, a kid? Um, do they uh, do jujitsu? Absolutely. My yes. daughter. She. Do I make her? In a sense, yes, because um, I don't make her go every day. Uh-huh. But I there's if she hasn't gone in two weeks and we're at the gym and I'm like, hey, get your gi. She's like, Daddy, I don't want to do it today. I'm like, you haven't done it in two weeks. You're doing it. Yeah. Because my thing is, if she just continues to learn a little bit. I don't care if she's a world champion. Yeah, I don't care yeah. if she competes. She just take care of herself. Like she want, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And there's so many of us that we're so willing to put our kids in cheerleading and in sports and yeah. in all this shit that in the end, if if somebody's attacking them, isn't what is that going to do for them? Yeah. You know, in reality. So yeah. if if you're one of those parents that is willing to invest in your child's education and invest in your child's um, enjoyment, mm-hmm. invest in in their protection. Back you know? when uh, at my and my other house, uh, my garage was all mats. Yeah. So I had, uh, so my little girl would go in there and we'd, we'd do some stuff. Yeah. And I'd teach her little things here yeah. and there. And uh, uh, she got to uh, fourth grade and she was getting picked on. Yeah. <clears throat> and she told the little girl, she said, you need to stop. You need to leave me alone. And the little girl kept, you know, kept, kept on, good. kept on, kept on. And uh, so Olivia, you know, took care of it. Yeah. And she, I got a call, and it's, I'm not, con, like, I don't condone fighting. That's a proud moment, man. Dude, yes. So, I got a <laughs> call, know? and it was like, yeah, it was uh, her, P, her PE teacher. I was like, yeah, I just wanted to call that, you know, Olivia was in a, in a, in a little fight with another student, yeah. and I was like, well, what happened? She goes, well, she uh, put her in a headlock. Yeah, absolutely. And I was like, oh, okay, well, good, not good, but, I mean, what was going on? And then it came to that. She was getting, like, they're both picking on each yeah. other or whatever, and I told Olivia this was the thing I told her. I said, okay, so you're not in trouble because you defended yourself. That's no, not why you're not in trouble. I go, but at that school, you have rules. And if she's picking on you, tell the teacher. Yeah. Let them know. Right. Uh, because after you tell the teacher. Now, if you tell the teacher and it happens again, and then you defend yourself. Right, right. I go, but at this moment, you defended yourself, which I agree with. But you didn't let them know. So then she went and told. Yeah. So you look like the aggressor. You know yeah, what I mean? So, I, tell, I tell my kids all the time, I said, once somebody steps in your personal space in an aggressive fashion, you have the right to defend yourself. Yeah. Now, defending yourself doesn't mean necessarily punching somebody out. No. But taking them down and controlling the matter. Yeah. I mean, that... Or, Just letting them know, hey... But but I also tell them, if somebody touches you, yeah. yes, you have the right to touch them back, and you have the right to touch them harder. So, when it comes to... I've told my parents, and I've told my daughter, and I've, I've told everybody, you know, that, that I'm very big on... You know, we're teaching your kids self-defense for a reason. Yeah. If the time comes, don't you ever discourage them from defending themselves in a just fashion. Now, yes. I have had kids that 
you know, I had one kid that a kid cut in front of him in line. He turns around and punches him in the stomach. I'm like, now the kid was calling him names, cut in front of him, but he never touched him. Yeah. And I, I, I try to teach my kids, like, never give anybody power over you. You have your feelings and what people tell you, like, you give them power when you react to them. Yeah. So if they tell you and call you all these names and you just don't let it bother you, they're going to get bored and they're going to go on to the next person because it, they don't get a reaction. They don't get any benefit out of that. Yeah, you know? I get you. So, so that's that's where I am on the self defense aspect of things. But um, you know, I, I'm I'm fortunately I, my daughter hasn't had to have that. But I'm not necessarily worried about the bullying at a young age. I'm I'm worried about you know if if all these years of practice and training and tournaments here and there save her from getting raped or murdered yeah. one day, then you know it's all worth it. Hell yeah, yeah. And you know what they uh, there's a book, man. I don't know if you have Audible. Uh, yeah. Okay, so there's a book. It's called um, what's it called? Uh, the Coddling of the American Mind. Right. Listen to that book. I it, will. It's I will. it. It talks about uh, social media and it talks about the the dangers of uh, getting you know and especially Caught especially yeah. with little girls. It, it shows that uh, little girls that get and little boys, but it, it affects girls more because uh, boys. Uh, what do they do when they get frustrated or whatever they act out right yeah. they bully or whatever but girls they, they bully themselves and they yeah. you know they fight with themselves social so. media is crazy man and that's where I try to tell parents you know you have to set the example you have to I tell my daughter all the time it doesn't matter what people think about you you know I saw somebody made a post the other day about their son um, I forgot who it was but I just and I wouldn't mention him anyway but I just saw it going through my feed and you know they love their son and it was like hey guys if y'all could just do me a favor you know, my son's looking for all these likes on, on TikTok and he, he does these dances and he tries to get and nobody's liking his stuff. So if y'all don't mind. And of course, his friends are like, yeah, we'll follow him, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, man, you got to teach your kid. It doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. I don't do my shit for my likes. I tell yeah. people all the time, they get on my Facebook and, <laughs> and you see it. And I tell people all the time, 80% of the time, I'm just talking shit to get a rise out of people. <laughs> the other 20% is inspiration and motivational yeah. stuff and it's serious stuff. But 80% of the time, it's literally just to see fucking people get triggered. Because there's yeah. so many pussies out there that it just, it really but just... It, and it, it, but you also do it because you just get like in a mindset where you're like, you know what, I'm going to put this out there and... Because people need to hear it, right? Yeah, and, and I but I could care less about the people that, that don't like it. Yeah, I don't of do it for likes. No, I, I do it because you know what? There's there's so many people that message me privately, and I'm not one of these guys that's gonna screenshot it and post it and say this is why I do what I do. No, there's people that literally have told me, man, if you hadn't written this post or if I hadn't joined the gym yeah. or you know I've been struggling with this, and and that's why I'm very transparent. Mm -hmm. You know, some people say almost too much yeah but i'm very transparent with my life and my feelings and what's going on with me because i realize that everybody struggles yeah and people might hold me on a pedestal because i got a black belt which they shouldn't but they might hold me on a pedestal because i got a black belt or i'm a firefighter or i'm a pro fighter i was in the ufc or whatever the freaking case is yeah but the fact of the matter is we all struggle we all yeah. go through shit we all have our own demons that we deal with and so when i make posts it's, it's, it's to let people know that it's okay to feel that way and it's also to, let, to hold myself accountable because I'm not going to be that motherfucker that posts and says uh, we should do this and you should do that and I'm not doing it you know Joe Rogan said it best it, it's like social media has given people who haven't done shit with their yeah. lives a platform yes. to act like they're something special yeah I literally got out of work at 8 o'clock this morning went straight to the gym 
fucking busting my ass on two and a half hours of sleep. And I post it. And I don't fucking post it to get any accolades or any... But there's always excuses. There's always, I'm too tired. Oh, I can't yeah. do this. Oh, I got my family. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Fuck that. I, I do this because... I post because it, it keeps me accountable to myself. Yeah. I can't ever tell my student, you should be training more when their coach is not. Now, yeah. I still have fun. I still go party. I still drink. I still enjoy myself. It's all oh, about balance. You want another one? Yeah, yeah, I'm good right now. Okay. Okay. I got to drive back. So, <laughs> um, But, you know, it's one of those things where, where, you know, social media is a tool. Yes. But it should never be something that we um it's kind of like some people obsess over. yes and people get on it and they just yeah. literally checking their likes and like, that's dude then that's why i told my uh my i told louder i was like i deleted the app i didn't delete yeah. facebook no but i deleted the app and I've, I've i've done that before dude, man it's so hard i it's hard it's but hard the, you know yesterday we went to corpus we went uh we went to go eat at bkk it's that's awesome place, by the way. You need to go grow about that. Yeah. You've never been there? No, I've never oh, been there. Oh, man. Dude, the post? Oh, uh, okay. I haven't been there either. Really? Yeah, yeah. and people uh, tell me about the post dude. all the time. So we went there. We, we hadn't been out, uh, you know, because with, with COVID, um, my little girl, she's not going back to school, so right. she's doing online school. So, and you know what's crazy, man, is is COVID, you know, it brought a lot of negativity to, to the world, right? But it also, like, one positive thing, as I could say, from that came from COVID is that I see my little girl more because, yeah. uh, you know, I, we're on that same rotation where, you know, every every two weeks she comes for the weekend and right. all that stuff, right? right. So you know, that was that. But with COVID, she she's coming every two weeks. So yeah. for two weeks, she's with me. For two weeks, she's, she's with her mom. mom. Yeah. And I got to, you know, I see a lot of people that... that use their kid on Facebook as a pawn or they out there baby dad or whatever and I gotta say man uh, the me and her little me and my little girl's mom have a really good understanding of what's best for For Olivia right yeah and so she we made a deal and I was like you know what with COVID why can't we just do this yeah and she's like okay so that works and like well that's just that's just because you guys care about her you know, you're you don't care about hurting the other person. I, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm divorced as well. Unfortunately, a statistic, but hey, it happens. And, it happens, man. And you know, but what I can say is I've never gone on Facebook and talked about it. Yeah. Um, I'm not not because I'm ashamed, but no. because of the fact that it's it's one of those things where there's no need to talk bad about my daughter's mom exactly she's still her, her mom and yeah. although we don't agree on a lot <laughs> and I have to take the high road she probably thinks she has to take the high road a lot um, it, it's just one of those things where there's no need to to, to be, be that in, to be that negative and it's yeah. hard because I know people that have horrible baby's moms and baby's yeah. dads but still I, I, I tell people like you gotta refrain from it you yeah. just gotta stop and fortunately like you know, I'm in a relationship now with a, a very, you know, beautiful and, and sweet girl. And, and, you know, I think that it's allowed me to have that without all this other drama. Yeah. Because that's what people don't realize. It's and like, you, you and think anybody wants to be with you if you're talking shit about your baby mom or baby yeah. dad on, like, no, <laughs> like, move on with your life. Like, keep, keep that keep that out of this yeah. that's not what social media is for is yes. to fucking talk shit about because like you still you're still the one that was yeah. with them you, yeah. That. Yeah. you know as much as I don't agree I can't say like oh well I mean at one point I was the one that chose her so whatever I think about her now like that was my dumbass fault you know I mean yeah. it is what it is but but seeing that you know it's more important to have 
um, the, there's a bigger the picture too. Yeah, there's yeah. a bigger picture. Yeah, now. there's a bigger picture. And it's it's like why be uh, fighting over little things? At the end of the day, it's what's best for your kid, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Um, well, man, dude, we've talked for a solid know, hour, man. dude. I know it's this gone. this is actually a really good uh, really good thing, man. Yeah, Glad yeah. that you came. Uh, you do uh, real quick. Uh, do you have any other? Do you have any UFC? Uh, not UFC, but uh, jujitsu matches coming up. Anything? Um, yeah, actually, I spoke to Eric Garcia. Shout out to Eric Garcia with Garcia uh, Promotions and Sub Hunter Pro. Um, man, that guy's really done a lot for the sport of MMA and jujitsu. Um, he's going to throw a card in December. He's trying to find me a match right now in Houston, um, just so I can stay active competing in jiu-jitsu. I don't know if it's going to be gi, no gi, I don't know what weight, but um, I told him, like, anywhere from 205 to 230, um, let's let's roll with it, you know. Um, nice. And I just, man, I'm one of these guys, I just like to compete. Yeah. It boggles my mind as a fighter how so many people are such pussies when it comes to, comp- like, dude, there's so many people that pull out of jiu-jitsu matches. Really? I'm like, it's jiu-jitsu, bro. Yeah. Like, tap, like... Oh, they're just afraid to lose. They're afraid to, so and they're bragging about, oh, it kills me because they're like bragging about how good they are and how they're the best. And I'm like, and you don't fucking fight nobody. Like, yeah. Dude, I just went against Ricardo Evangelista. Like, I didn't win, I lost. Uh-huh. But it was a close match. And, and you know what? I tested myself. That's yeah. what it's about. That's, that's what, what competition is about. So, you know, right now, that's all I have on my plate other than coaching my students and actually enjoying myself. I've been out of town the last five of the seven weekends um, I've been out of town coaching or competing so I'm really looking forward to today because uh, you know we got this and then we're going to actually head to uh, Nucky's for a little uh, bit right? we, we were they don't open until like 4 oh my gosh okay yeah, yeah. well I'll have to make another trip yeah. maybe do a little but, podcast but for that we, we can still go somewhere yeah we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out yeah. but uh, but no we're gonna uh, go back to Corpus in a little bit and I got some plans so we're looking forward to a good Sunday fun day like I said it's all about balance yeah, yeah, so you know, but I do want to give a shout out to my team, um, Weapons at Hand, Rudy Valenzuela, my coaches for kickboxing or for uh, uh, jujitsu. You know, Colt Gillis and, and Patrick Ibarra, uh, as long as as well as my head uh, kids coaches, uh, you know, Brian Kiggins and Jamie Phillips, that really helped to run the program. You know, they say it takes a village uh, to to raise a child and my child is in our vice Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I couldn't do it without those guys so um, you know shout out to all them um, and uh, you know shout out to my boy Santos Rosales for for keeping keeping me grinding in the gym man he's a real blessing and if you haven't checked it out hybrid fitness solutions is uh, the spot yeah I think I think that might be a, a one of our keys to <laughs> the girls are having too much fun out there um, so you're uh your gym is located where? Yeah, Powers? it's, it's uh, located at, at we- actually the gym is called Weapons at Hand. Our Vice Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the Jiu-Jitsu program we run in there along with, uh, you know, Texas style res- uh, wrestling club uh, run by Jaime Garcia and Rob Mendoza. Um, so we offer everything. Uh, our hours are pretty much Monday through Saturday. Um, they vary, but you can check them out at www. Uh, weapons at hand mma.com we have our full schedule on there and we offer a free week to anybody that wants to try it out from kids to adults we have a variety of classes cardio kickboxing Dude, a free week for for that is is a steal man i suggest anybody that is listening anybody that's going out there 
Yeah, take and, them up and, on that. And it's not just a fighter's gym. You know, it's a gym. Yeah. We have ladies that are trying to get in shape. We have kids that are doing self-defense. We have professional fighters that are doing the classes. Um, and then we have guys that just want to learn how to defend themselves. So, you know, women, different um, kids, different levels of everything. Um, so, you know, we're just really fortunate to have our students and, and still be uh, kicking after this COVID. Pandemic. All I got to say is if you're if you're brand new to it, don't jump into the pro level yet. <laughs> Take your time. To, we'll, don't go to we'll, the advanced class. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll ease you into it. We're definitely gone past the days of just uh, beating people up. Uh, you know, now it's a business and, and we realize that everybody has a different reason for training. So we just want to accommodate as many people as we can. All right, man. Uh, well, I appreciate you coming. We're about to... Uh, and the end the show here uh again guys uh like subscribe uh the the it's gonna be on itunes on on spotify on simplecast so get out there subscribe like the show get the show up there and uh we can make i i'm real big on south texas and all the people in it uh there's a lot of stories just like rogers that are being dying to to be told and we have a lot of great people out here. So, again, thank you. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you having me. All right, man. Devanios.